Hi, this is Nathan Ray. This is my new friend, Ricky. Say hello, Ricky. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. How do we know each other? We know each other through church, also through some shared ministry experiences we've had working with the homeless population of Edmonton downtown and had lots of fun times, lots of adventures together, I'd say, in the years we've known each other. Anything that stood out to you in our first meeting with each other? Or like, was, was there a moment that just kind of like made everything click for you? Like in, in terms of my relationship with you? Yeah, in terms of your relationship with me. Um, you know, I don't even have much of a memory. I can't even remember the exact moment when I met you. It's been so long now, it seems, but I guess you could take that as a, as a good thing. There was nothing that jumped out negatively or anything. I just remember you've always been a very, uh, very friendly guy. I think you, you always ask very interesting questions. And every time I have a conversation with you, it's always, it's always interesting. Some people are just very boring conversationalists, you know, it's just ask you about work or what would you do this week? Just kind of small talk. But I find uh, every time I have a conversation with you, we, we often talk about interesting things. So I've always, I've, that's one thing that's always stood out about you to me. Like kind of go for the big topics. Yeah, that's right. Which is why when I heard you started a podcast, I thought, awesome. That is like, that's your exact skill set right there. So yeah, glad to see you're doing it. And uh, I think, I think you're doing really well with it. I think if I were to describe my own first impression of when I met you, it was in the Bible study that we were in together. And I didn't really think much of you, to be honest. I kind of thought you were just some sort of meathead like the kind of guy who would just play sports all the time and just be in the background as a friend. I, I think the moment where things began to stand out in terms of my relationship with you, it was a night in the homeless ministry three years ago. I had been pushing for doing outreach towards uh, the LGBT community. Didn't go anywhere, unfortunately. But the first night we did that as an experiment, I stood up I made this impassioned call for us to go out and minister to the homosexuals and the transgender community. And everyone else looked at me with just total disinterest and awkwardness. And you were one of the three people who said, hey, that sounds like a good idea. I'll join him. And I thought to myself, wow, that's that's not something I was expecting from you. And that's that sort of like set the precedent of like, it showed that you were a friend who, even if I didn't understand why you were willing to be there for me, you were still willing to be there for me. And now I've been through a lot of ups and downs between our mutual friend group. You've been one of the, the few constants in all that turmoil. You're not afraid of me. You're always there to believe in me. And more than anything, I respect that. And I, I think it's interesting because like, I, I feel like you should be afraid of me. You should be dismissive of me because we have very different personalities. Debatably, we have different goals, but still you're, you're there like a brother should. And I'm thankful for that. I, I appreciate the kind words. I know I agree. I agree with where you're coming from. I do think by a lot of, a lot of metrics, you know, we would be in very, very different social circles and, you know, we do t come from different backgrounds and there's probably more uh, differences than similarities between us. But for me, I'm assuming you might feel the same way. That's one thing I really value about our friendship is it's uh, it's refreshing to have someone 
that I can talk to that it's not just an echo chamber of I'm talking to somebody who thinks the exact same way as me. They think all the same things. They have the same stance on every topic. It's nice to have a friend that kind of balances you out and sees things, offers a fresh perspective. And, and I do remember that night when what you mentioned happened. And yeah, I don't know, maybe that kind of just speaks a little to who, who I am as a person, the kind of person I am, because I really felt that the sentiment in that room and, you know, among uh, a lot of people is sometimes when somebody has a kind of an idea that's a little bit more out there, a little bit audacious, some people get get really scared of that. They kind of hunker down and they say, oh, like, here's all the reasons we can't do that. But I don't know. I just like with kind of what we're getting into on the podcast, I know this is going to come up again. I'll talk about this a little later on, but I'm just, I, I feel like I really have that like spirit of like encouragement where when you said that, all I could think of was like, wow, that's awesome. Like listen to the passion he has for these people. He loves these people. He's passionate. I don't know what he wants to do. I don't know anything about this topic. Like this is so out of my wheelhouse, but like whatever it is, like I want to be on his side. Like I want to help him do whatever he's so excited about. I don't know what it is, but if there's a way I can support him in that. And that's why I I threw my hat in the ring and said, yeah, I'll go with you. That was definitely a moment where I felt like everything was working. And even though it was just for a moment, it still felt like God was working within us and that we were reaching towards something higher and so if i might ask how's god been working in your own life over the past week i think i don't really have anything over the past week that's been different than like the past six months the past year i feel like in my life he's just been really showing me what's important there's so many things in this world in this life especially here in the west that can distract us i think And God has really just been challenging me to examine the things I have in my life and just to kind of prune them out. Just like it says in John 15, where it talks about Jesus is the vine, where the branches, you know, he's going to prune everything that doesn't produce good fruit. And I think on that same line of thought, I've just been really looking at my life and looking at, okay, what, what is the fruit that I want to produce? And what are the actions that I'm taking, the things I'm spending my time with? And is that producing good fruit? And I feel, yeah, God's really put that on my heart. I have kind of been going through uh, some training and uh, coaching. So I recently got certified as a Christian life coach. And part of that training was I had to go through this program as well. So I had an awesome godly man. He's been a pastor for 30, 40 years. And he just spent so much time with me and poured into my life, asked me questions, helped me kind of discover what is God's purpose for my life. And I think after having that, like the culmination of all of that came to a point where I just had this clarity of what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And now God is working through my life to help me put that into practice, help me strip away what needs to be taken away so that I can continue to do those things. So that that's kind of been the, the lessons God's been showing me. Uh, how about you? It hasn't really been uh, a slow evolution like you. Uh, I, I feel like every week is different. Every week something changes. For this week in particular, I have a friend in Toronto uh, who's getting married in September, and I wanted to be able to go attend his wedding. I told my mom about it. A couple of nights later, she called me and she said, hey, I have this really bad feeling that you shouldn't be going to Toronto. I don't know why. It's just not something that you should do. Uh, it's, it's something that I feel like God is putting on my heart. 
Now my mom, uh, occasionally she's right about stuff like this. Occasionally she's not. And so I had to test that word against the spirit. I prayed to God. I asked him, hey, God, should I be doing this? Can I go to this wedding? And the answer I got back was, don't go to Toronto. And for me, that's like, why not? I, I want to be able to go on this trip to meet up with my friend, see him get married, uh, meet up with other people that I know in that city. Why can't I just go ahead and do something like this? And finally, I decided to message my friend and say, hey, look, man, this is the prophetic word that my mom received. This is what I've been able to confirm in my own spirit by praying to God. If you have anything to say against this, please do so. Otherwise, I'm not going to Toronto to attend your wedding. And I'm really sorry to say that, but I have to obey God. And I got a response from him saying, look, man, I had to actually cut you out of the wedding guest list because of uh, restrictions relating to COVID. So you wouldn't have been able to attend the wedding anyways. And we're all like, yeah, that's, that's actually pretty fine. It's not satisfying. I'm still not going to the wedding in September. I might be able to attend the wedding reception uh, later on, but... At the same time, it is exciting in the sense that I just had a prophecy confirmed. And that means if I had that prophecy confirmed, I have other prophecies in my own life that have yet to play out. And that just gives me a little bit more hope that I'll see them fulfilled. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's that's the way that God's been moving in my life. It's It's been very quick for you. It's been very slow. And for you, what you were talking about in getting certified as a life counselor? Yeah, so it's uh, Christian life, life purpose coaching is kind of the full term for it. And basically, it's it's similar to counseling. I'm not a counselor. Obviously, that is you have to be licensed for that. Basically, it is like more of like, yeah, like a coach, right? Whereas going to a counselor going to a therapist, psychologist, that's more like, I have a problem, I need help, I have a, an illness or whatever, like fix me. Whereas the life coaching is more to empower people that I, I have no uh, credentials to be telling people what to do with their life to be telling them how to handle things. I'm just merely there to ask the right questions and help them kind of on that introspective journey and themselves. Because yeah, one of kind of one of the core beliefs in the the training, and I believe it as well, is that God's already left clues in your life up till now of what your life purpose is. He's given you gifts, he's given you experiences, relationships, situations in your life, and all of that works together for your good. So the life coaching process is essentially a lot of questions, a lot of digging deep, looking inside yourself asking God for guidance and just, yeah, I guess un unraveling the story of your life and trying to see from, from where you've been, where, where do you think God's taking you? What might your purpose in life be? And I guess that sort of segues into what we're going to be talking about uh, for this episode. We're going to be talking about short-term missions work, which you've done in the past. What has drawn your heart to the mission field? How, how did you get involved? And what was it a sense of like duty, tradition? This was something that your family did? Or was there like something deeper inside your heart that was calling you to work in the mission field? Yeah, so no one in my family, my brother has been on some short-term mission trips, but before I had went on the first one, no one in my family had done anything like that. So there was no real family history there. 
I think probably what got me into it was more of a sense of adventure than anything. I would say at the time, I first went in 2014 on a trip to Ecuador. That was through Beulah. I've been on three trips since then, all of them to the same place, Ecuador. But I think the first one, I, I really don't feel that I was at a place where I was that strong in my faith at that time. So I think for me, when I heard of the opportunity to go, it sounded exciting. You know, I get to go to South America on this trip with a team of other young adults, be a good opportunity to make some friends, do some good in the world. And that was really all that got me into it. There was no super deep, like, sense of passion or willingness to serve. I just kind of thought, hey, that sounds cool. Let's try it out. Since then, obviously, I keep going back. And in these six years, I guess, since I first went, that's really changed a lot for me. And I just, yeah, I just love to serve people. Even here, I just, it gives me great joy to do anything really for someone else. And I, I enjoyed the opportunities to do that. Being somewhere like a third world country where people are living in poverty, working with children a lot. I think there's really something profound about serving people and doing something for people that you know they're, they're never going to do anything for you in return. You're not helping someone, you know, with the intention that they'll return the favor or I'll give you this and then you'll give me something else one day. You're just purely giving to these people and they're, they're never going to repay you in any like monetary or physical way. And I think that's, that's profound on the people doing the short-term missions. But I think that also really impacts the people down there because they see and they ask questions. They say like, why are you here? Why do you come here? You come all the way here from Canada just to visit us and like you just want to spend time with us and like lead our church services. So yeah, that's been really impactful for me. Also on a, well, I'm not sure if I was going to say a less spiritual level. I don't, I'm not sure that it is less spiritual, but I also just like to be immersed in that culture. It's so refreshing for me to once a year, even if it's only for 10 days, go somewhere and just to see the contrast between how the people down there live their life and how we live it here in Canada. There's no strict schedules. There's no timelines. People aren't rushing around. The family is very important. They spend a lot of time together. It's just a very simple life. And I think that I really like the concepts of like minimalism, stoicism, things like that. That that really attracts me. The uh, you know, the spiritual disciplines of simplicity, just having and I guess that goes back to kind of my first answer of what God's doing in my life, but I really I really have a desire for that that stripped down life that just to the basics so you can focus on everything. And I find that when I when I go to Ecuador, it's a nice little reset of that because you know, we don't have phone service. My most recent trip, we were in a city, but the previous three to that, we were like just out in the jungle in a remote village. We had to take a canoe in. There was no running water, no electricity, no toilets. Like it was... How did you go to the bathroom? So they, they for, for us, I'm not sure how they would do it just normally, but they they made a makeshift kind of outhouse pretty much basically they would kind of on the edge of like the camp where like all the houses were they would find like a nice steep slope and they just kind of built a little platform off the edge of the slope and over the years that's uh their technology and that has improved the first time we went it was just like two boards with a little railing 
kind of handle that you could hold. So if you can picture it, I'll try and explain it that you could picture it without seeing. Basically, you stand, you stand on the board with your back facing down the hill. The railing's directly in front of you, so you can grab onto that for support. Then you squat down, you know, kind of lean back a little over the edge of the hill and do your business and let gravity do the rest. Since then, they've, they've kind of, every year, they kind of upgrade the bathroom a little bit, but that's still the main concept of it. So it's nothing, nothing fancy at all. So would you say beyond going to the bathroom, what, what would you say are some other challenges you've faced when serving overseas? Definitely the language barrier. I mean, that's always something. My Spanish has improved a lot over the years, and it's, it's something we still have a lot of work to do on. But that's definitely tough, trying to communicate to the people when you can't speak their language. Another kind of facet of that is that these, these very remote areas that we go with more indigenous communities, a lot of them, they don't even, they don't even speak Spanish. They speak uh, Quechua, it's the language. And so there's, there's no way I could even learn to speak that. So that can be tough. That can be a little frustrating. Another thing that I have really struggled with, and I think a big part of that is because of just having that, like I said, that kind of Canadian mindset is sometimes we go there, actually all the time we go there. And it feels to me, I'm a very like action oriented person. I'm very goal oriented, task oriented. I'm always thinking, okay, like, what's my goal? What do I got to do next? Oh, there's a task. Okay, let's get that done. Like, what's the most efficient way to get that done? And like, you know, one thing after another, just go, go, go. And we go on these trips and often I just feel like we're not doing anything. Like we just, you know, we wake up, have breakfast, go hang out with some people. Maybe we do some, some work. We like whatever, work on the soccer field for the kids have lunch, do a kind of like a VBS type thing for the kids, like do a Bible story and a craft in the afternoon. Um, We'll do a church service, kind of sing some songs and that for the people. Maybe in the evening, we'll go around the community, visit some people in their homes, just listen to their stories, pray for them. And yeah, that's, that's kind of the bulk of our schedule. And to me, sometimes that feels like we're not doing enough. Like, why aren't we like, like, let's build houses, let's do this let's make something for them so so i can feel (laughs) accomplished that we did something and so that's been uh yeah it's really been a struggle because i've had to just change my perspective and my paradigm on a a lot of things and realize that what is impactful to those people so the missionaries tell us that we go and help is just yeah building relationships with them spending time with them so these trips aren't about going and like okay we're going to build you 10 houses and you know take some photos for instagram with the kids kiss some babies see a see you never it's not like that it's it's a lot more of just doing life with them and as i mentioned before they have a very different pace of life than we do so for us to not come in and impose our our western pace and our values of you know time efficiency we have to match them and kind of we work with them on their schedule so that's that's been really really challenging for me to kind of have the peace that the trips are impactful that they are worth it that they are meaningful another challenge is definitely the the health side of it being in these remote communities Every time we go, people people are getting sick. 
their, you know, upset stomachs and just that kind of traveler's diarrhea, things like that. I've, I've been very fortunate. I mean, I like to think that I just have a, a strong immune system, tough stomach. Maybe I'm just built for the mission field, but I have never gotten sick while out in the jungle. And every year there's, I wouldn't say everyone on the team, but the, the majority of the team gets some sort of sickness at some time. I did get a parasite once, but that didn't kick in until a couple of weeks after I was home. So I'm fortunate that way, the way I look at it, that, that equips me to, again, I like to, to serve and encourage people. So I find that my role on the team then is if, you know, if I'm the one that's not sick, then I can uh, just be there to better support the people that are getting sick. Would you say that in each of the trips that you've gone on, there's been a sense of connectivity uh, in terms of like what has happened in the first trip? informed your experience for the second trip which informed your experience for the third trip or has it just been like it's all separate stories no there's definitely been a lot of carryover from one trip to the next as i mentioned this last trip i went on in the july 2019 we went to a different city than we had ever been previously so that that one i i would say would be kind of the the outlier but the previous three trips we went back to the same communities in the same area of the jungle. And yeah, that was just so cool because we got to see the same faces. Like if I compare my experience on the first trip where you go up to this remote community and you're just kind of like looking around, like, where am I? What's going on? Who are these people? But then you come back a second time, a third time. And it's like, you're visiting old friends. It's like you pull up and oh, like, I know that person. I know that person. And there's hugs and they're happy to see you. And I think, again, for them, it's a lot more impactful to have familiar faces that keep coming back. We're we're building friendships with these people. I think sometimes for for myself, that's kind of hard to see as I don't speak fluent Spanish. So I, I may not really realize sometimes the impact that me being there has. But the long-term missionaries that are there and speak the language, they do tell us that, yeah, these people are, they're very happy to see you. Like they, they love you guys and they, they pray for you all the time. They ask about you when you're gone. I know some of the local missionaries, there's a missionary school that they have. Uh, sorry, I should explain to the organization is called Inkalink. They're affiliated with the uh, Christian Missionary Alliance, Beulah's Alliance Church. So that's kind of where the, the partnership comes from. And Inkalink has a missionary school in Ecuador where they train local missionaries. So it's like, it's young adults there, Ecuadorian young adults that they're being trained to go out in the mission field. So often we'll go with like a full-time missionary and then a couple students from the mission school. So again, there too, we've had uh, lots of friendships built there. I know people, they message me on Facebook when I'm here. They ask about us, ask how we're doing, things like that. So yeah, it's, it's been really good to go back to the same areas, especially because, like I said, we're not coming there doing a project all by ourselves and then leaving. We're kind of helping them with the work they're already doing. So that's been cool because, for example, the first year we went, we spent a day carrying these boards through the jungle for the walls of a church. You know, we did that for a day and then you come back the next year and now there's like stonework that's been done. It's been painted. There's like a cement floor and, you know, you come back next year and it's got walls and a roof and doors and it's been cool to see these projects 
kind of come to fruition. Also with the children as well, you know how it is with kids, right? Like they grow up so fast. So to see, it's one thing to see someone in there, like the adults, they're in their forties and then you come back a year later. Yeah. They still look the same, but like, like a five-year-old kid. And then you come back, you know, two, three years later, now there's eight or nine. That's, that's really cool too. What would you say are the physical and spiritual needs of the people that you're serving? I would say physically, they definitely live in poverty. The ones in the indigenous communities, they survive off farming. They don't make a lot of money. I know they get assistance from the Ecuadorian government. The place we went to last year, the town is called Porto Viejo, and they experienced, they had a uh, earthquake with a 7.8 magnitude, which is like a massive earthquake a few years back. And that just leveled neighborhoods in the city. Like so many people died. They, they've rebuilt a lot there, but there's still a lot of poverty. There's a lot of a lot of assistance and relief needed. The area that we went to, it was a kind of a community of people that basically had built these little shacks across the road from a garbage dump. And what they would do is the men worked at the garbage dump during the day, I believe, but they got paid hardly anything. So at nighttime, the women would actually like basically break in, sneak into the dump and steal garbage. They would just go through the garbage and try and find anything they could find that had some value. That's how poor they were. And then they would steal that from the garbage dump, take it home and try and try and make some income, try and pawn it off. Or I'm not exactly sure how they turn that garbage into money, but that that's what they would do. And then their kids, again, super poor, couldn't afford to go to school, anything like that. A lot of times they didn't even get meals. They didn't get meals every day. So they were pretty malnourished. And the Inca Link program was basically that we would come up there every day, again, do activities, songs with the kids. And we bring food with us and give them a meal. They also give us a list each year, kind of like a wish list of things that they would like us to bring. So we bring um, notebooks for the kids, school supplies, soccer balls, toothbrushes, soap, crayons, all that kind of stuff. Whatever the missionary says. that they, And things for the missionary too, right? Like the missionary might say, Oh, like we could really use a, I don't know, a Bluetooth speaker, for example, to like to do songs or activities. So we all pitched in our team and we, with the money from our funds, we, we bought a little Bluetooth speaker for the missionary and things like that. So, so we do help out physically. There's a lot of things that we're able to buy here in Canada, relatively inexpensively and good quality stuff that they might not be able to source as well down there. So it's a good opportunity that we're coming anyways everybody's backpacks on the plane are just crammed full of stuff. I think even after I got home, like three weeks later, I was still finding like crayons or like paintbrushes and stuff just tucked into every little corner of my bag. For the spiritual needs, a lot of them are just very, very lost. Like they have the local religions, I guess, like especially in the indigenous areas, like there is a lot of paganism and things going on. Like some people will go see the shaman for things like that. So there's a lot of spiritual darkness that's still still pretty prevalent there. The ones that are Christians are very, very new in their faith. They're not spiritually mature. 
they have Bibles, but, you know, unlike us where we can, we have endless resources to see a sermon or, or go to a church or listen to a podcast or even just pull up a YouTube video, but they don't have that. So oftentimes we will put on a church service for them because not that any of us are preachers, but really it's just, we just give them basic Bible lessons, things that all of us have well, people that have been Christian for a long period of time, we might know or think are kind of simple, like they may have never heard those things before. So yeah, spiritually, they just need the community, right? They don't have a lot of other Christians to rely on for support. And the the people around them often are, are not receptive of Christianity at all. So I think to have us come down and just even just encourage them spiritually, that's definitely needed as well. Do you see this like being what you do for the rest of your life every summer you spend 10 days down in ecuador obviously you can't do that right now because of covid but like if things were to ever go back to normal would you want to have that recurring aspect of your life or would you want to go into more full-time ministry I would say the answer lies kind of halfway between those two options you said. As you mentioned with COVID, uh, we had a trip planned for the summer that's been postponed. Not sure when we'll be able to do that. But for me, I don't really feel called to like be a full-time missionary, but I would like to spend a lot more time than 10 days a year. 10 days, it's great. It's a great start, but... I just don't think personally, I've kind of come to the point where I don't feel that going on these 10 day trips is really the best use of my time and and resources. And just to be frank, it's just, I don't think it's really good stewardship for me anyways, because the amount of money you spend on a, on a flight, that doesn't change. That's a static cost, right? Whether you go for two days, 10 days, six months, your flight costs the same amount. So the shorter your trip is, the, I guess, proportionally, the larger your flight costs are. And that's one thing I think if if I'm going to be flying down there, I would rather stay for a month or even a few months. So that's, that's what I'm working towards. I really feel called to spend, I'm thinking six months in the mission field somewhere, six months at home. I also am really passionate about like entrepreneurial things and building businesses. So what I want to do and what I'm working towards is I would love to have businesses in Canada or the US because we have such a such abundance here and there's there's just so much opportunity to create income to generate wealth and kind of how that fits into my life like the holistic picture is I want to spend my time here and just create as much income as much wealth as I can whether that's through businesses investments things like that then I want to I want those income streams to also be able to give me the opportunity to spend those six months abroad and not have to worry about finances or anything like that. One thing with my current job, that's just never going to be an option. I asked my boss even this summer if I could have a month to go and he said, nope, company policy can't do it. So the way I see it, being an employee for someone else, it's just not going to do it for the, the type of life that I feel called to live. I definitely think there is a lot of value in raising funds and getting financial support from other people. I don't look down on that by any means, but I do know that there are some people that might be held back from doing missions just because they can't raise the financial support. That's another thing I don't ever want. So I would like to have the income where I can say, yeah, I want to go do missions for a year. And not only do I have the income to support that, but I also have the flexibility of my schedule to do that. 
And then on top of there, again, why I'm drawn to business and entrepreneurial things, investments, is there's no ceiling to the amount of money you can make. And that's, that really excites me because, you know, I see money as, as a tool. It's not money in itself. It's not inherently good or evil. It's what you do with the money can be good or evil. The, the value you put on the money could be good or evil. But yeah, money is a tool. And in the same way as you can do a lot of terrible things with money, you can do a lot of good in the world by having more money. So for me, the kind of big, big dream, the, uh, yeah, the dream that's so big that the only way it's going to happen is with God's power is I, I want to be able to create the wealth to the level where I, I can support ministries. I can build schools. I can really do all kinds of amazing things with that money. I want to be spending half my time in the mission field because I love spending time with the people. I love the relational aspects. And I know that spending six months abroad, that is going to be my my fuel that when I come home for six months, I know what I'm here for. There's I'm not wasting time just watching Netflix or whatever, sitting around because I know I only have six months here. You know, I'm in I'm in Canada, I'm in this land of opportunity where the way our society is structured is anyone who wants to, you know work and make money can do that. And I have six months here. I need to be using this six months in the most effective way possible, using the time God's given me, being a good steward so that I can go back to wherever wherever I have been the previous six months, whether that's Ecuador or somewhere else. And I can put all that, all those resources that I've raised, that I've built, that I've earned and put those to work for the kingdom. It, it does raise a lot of questions, though, of like, how are you going to be able to do this if you end up raising a family? Are your wife and children going to be coming along with you to Ecuador? Are they going to be staying behind in Canada? Who's going to be managing your finances when you're gone to Ecuador and you don't have Wi-Fi to connect with whoever it is will be managing your finances? It's a great dream. I'll say that. It's a necessary dream because like as, as someone who has had to involve themselves in fundraising it's a painful process and if if like if i knew that there was a guy with ten thousand dollars at his disposal who would be willing to cut off even a tenth of that to help fund a mission trip that i'm going on that would be an amazing thing but at the same time like I, I, I see some things that you probably still need to work on, and that's fine. This is probably like a long-term goal of yours. But once again, it's it's a fairly noble goal. Yeah, of course, there's a lot of intricacies and details that I'm kind of glossing over. What I explained, that's kind of the, yeah, I, I do believe that that is my life's purpose. And that's not going to happen overnight. That is not an easy goal to obtain. It's not a, a small thing that, oh, yeah, I'll just I'll just do that. No big deal. There is a, a lot of thought, a lot of planning that has to go into that. Obviously, for the sake of brevity for this podcast, we, we do not have anywhere near the time to get into that. But uh, maybe another episode. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But let's wrap up the podcast episode uh, right now. I believe you have something else that you need to attend to at the moment. Before we go, is there anything that you want to plug, recommend, any books, resources, organizations? Oh, yeah, I got lots, always. One thing I will say that I would recommend the listeners to, to check out because it's really given me a lot of the inspiration and, and fuel, I guess, for having these big dreams is just any of Bob Goff's stuff 
his books. Everybody always is the new one. Love does his original book. And he is also, I, I don't know if he has a book out on it yet, but I know he does courses and things like that. It's called the, the dream big framework. So he, he is a big proponent of having these, like, like the goal I said, right. That's not, that's not something small. That's scary. That's big. And he is a big proponent of having those things, stepping out in faith, not waiting until you have all the answers to get started, just trusting God, loving people along the way. And so he has been a really big inspiration in my life and definitely someone that, that I'm you know actively trying to, to model my life after. He has done some incredible things. Again, I'll, I'll let people check them out for themselves, but de- definitely worth reading his books if you want to just learn how to love people better and just dream big and do amazing things in your life. Other than that, things that I've really been stoked on lately, I do a lot of running and I got a Garmin. It's the Phoenix 5 running watch. If for anyone who's the runner, best thing ever. It tracks everything. It's got GPS, music. Oh, like I, I have not regretted at all buying it. That's been good. Yeah. And I guess, I guess to plug myself too, like I said, Christian life purpose coaching. So if anybody feels that they are a little bit lost or a little bit uncertain of their purpose in life, or even if you just want to get really, really clear on what it is you were put on this earth to do, I'll tell you, it is an amazing feeling when you, you wake up in the morning and you just know what it is you're passionate about. You know, what drives you, you know, what you got to do that will just energize your life in a way that I can't even explain. So yeah, if anyone wants to uh, go on that journey and and learn more about those things and have some conversations and uh, at the end of it, the kind of framework or whatever, it kind of culminates in what's called a life plan. So it'll be a three-year plan of all, all things, you know, you build your own. It's all things that come out of the questions, the conversations we have three-year life plan. It'll have goals laid out, things that you want to do, just the kind of person you want to be and see yourself in three years. So yeah, if anyone want to do that, then they can definitely, uh, maybe, maybe you can put some contact info or something in the show notes and uh, I would love like, to chat. Like with your anyone. email address, Instagram. Yeah. Or even just, just my name for Facebook or something like that. Okay. Email address I can do. Yeah. Do you charge for your services? I will be, but I am pretty fresh in uh, being certified. So at this time, depending on, I mean, this, this could change at some point. I know this, this episode will be up for pretty much forever, but as of this recording free, I'm, I'm doing, uh, taking on some pro bono clients. So I have been doing them for free just to get more experience. So definitely an opportunity to get a lot of value for, for nothing for free. I'm interested, especially to see your reaction to whatever it is, my long-term goals and dreams and ambitions end up being. Yeah, I would love to go through that with you. I'm kind of scared, to be honest, but also excited. That's good, though. That's that's what it's about. You know, you're, uh, if the dreams you have and the kind of desires you have don't scare you a little bit, then I don't think you're uh, aiming high enough. You're not dreaming big enough. Fair enough. Well, see ya. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray, with special guest Ricky Sommerfeld. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.